Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Hi, Zarin. Hello, Elizabeth Dutton, right? Correct, yeah. Nice yeah, to me. see you again. Good to see you. How you been? Awesome. That's good to know. Happy. Yeah, I love that for you. Thank you. I love it for me, too. Do you know what's ridiculous? Oh, I got this one. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know the Boy Scouts of America? Yes, I do. Okay. So there used to be a competing organization called the American Boy Scouts, and this one was started by William Randolph Hearst. The reason why he started it was because there was a publisher in Chicago named William Boyce, and he had started the Boy Scouts of America. Now, the Boyce her- Scouts? Well, no, I just, that was just how I said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They yeah. actually started in England. An a, a, a English dude started the Boy okay. Scouts, and then they transported um, the idea to America. He starts the Boy Scouts of America. Mm-hmm. No connection to his last name, Boyce. Okay. Anyway, Hearst is like, you know what? I want my own army of boys. So oh. he then starts the American Boy Scouts. And this is all part of his ongoing publisher rivalry with this dude, Boyce, who's okay. in Chicago, right? Now, these two groups were super similar because, like, they both were Boy Scouts, right? And, in fact, there was a whole litigious thing about who can call themselves Boy Scouts. The big difference between the two of them, mm-hmm. Hearst's group, the American Boy Scouts, carried loaded firearms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a rifle was issued to every American Boy Scout, which surprisingly did not go well. Well-armed 12-year-olds, this no. turned out to be a bad so it idea. Was a, it was a standing boy army. Yeah, he had his own standing okay. boy army. That's ridiculous. It's very William Hurst. You know what else is ridiculous? No, hit me with it. Conning people into buying land in a fake country. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I know you would. <laughs> I'm Elizabeth Dutton, and that guy over there is Aaron Burnett. What are you, a cop? Yes, and this is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free, and guess what? 100% ridiculous. I like that about that. Me too. I like that about that. (laughs) (laughs) I like that about everything. You know what else I like? I like to think of myself as uh, pretty skeptical and untrusting. I'd say that's mostly true. It serves me well. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people feel like I do. Do you think you're skeptical and untrusting? <laughs> I think I am so skeptical and trusting. I need other words. Throw a dash of jaded in <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. But see, people people like you and I, mm-hmm. still, well, maybe not you, people like me, <laughs> still fall victim to confidence schemes. Oh, yeah, I know what happens. Some happens. people carry them out. Uh-huh. 
Like you. Yes. <laughs> oh, no, the, I will pay for a good, like, uh, three-card money game. If I see somebody doing a hustle, I'll go and drop $20 just oh, to wow. see Oh, wow. Yeah, okay, I don't so care. You would fall I don't mind being taken as long as I know I'm being taken. Oh, well, that's a good point. Well, so there's this woman, Maria Konnikova. Mm-hmm. She has a bachelor's in psychology from Harvard. I've interviewed her. I know her. Oh, and well, I don't know her PhD personally. Yeah. in psychology huh? from Columbia. Yeah, she's she got writes all the, about Con. She's great. Right, she's got the bona fides. Mm-hmm. In 2016, she wrote a book called The Confidence Game. Great book. In The Confidence Game, she profiles a bunch of con artists and analyzes the psychology behind the con, the victim, their relationships. One of the con men that she wrote about is a man named Gregor McGregor. Good name. Gregor McGregor. Basically, she's wondering, why do we believe this garbage? How can our sense of truth be so manipulated? She says that there are two kinds of persuasive tactics used by confidence tricksters. There's alpha, which is more common, mm-hmm. meaning that's the the one where you would just increase the appeal of what you're trying to You make someone to, want it more and more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The offer's way tempting. And she makes it seem like what is a want is actually a need, that mm-hmm. you just have to have it. Mm-hmm. Omega, decreasing resistance to this. So you got to do it. You'd be such a fool if you didn't take advantage yeah, of it. Yeah, why would you not? This is a rare opportunity. Like, mm-hmm. all you have to do is X. Yeah. Right. So Konnikova says, and I quote. Yes. They call the juxtaposition the approach avoidance model of persuasion. You can convince me of something by making me want to approach it and decreasing any reasons I might have to avoid it. That's some real core human psychology. Yeah. So Gregor McGregor, Gregor son of Gregor, <laughs> Uhtred son of Uhtred. Totally. You know I'm over here last kingdoming the hell out totally. of that name. <laughs> I am Gregor McGregor. <laughs> and Destiny, what is it? It is all... That's right. So Gregor McGregor had the perfect blend of alpha and omega in hmm. his cons. And that is what I want to talk to you today about, Zara. You know how That's I love that alpha and omega? Mm-hmm. So Gregor McGregor, born Christmas Eve, 1786 in Scotland. Hmm. You know, as you do. His dad was an East India Company sea captain. Oof, rough life. Yeah. Great uncle, great great uncle, Rob Roy. The Scottish outlaw and folk hero. His grandpapa yeah. was Gregor the Beautiful. <laughs> That's amazing. Like Pliny the Elder, Pliny the Younger, Gregor the Beautiful. Gregor, he was apparently a stunner. <laughs> apparently. Really turned heads. Uh, when Gregor McGregor, Gregor, mm-hmm. son of Gregor, mm-hmm. this is going to, you know, when you have is to say something. Is that what Mac means? Gregor, Mac Gregor? I think does it so. mean son of Gregor? Sure. Look I'm, at me over here learning something new I'm every day. I'm acting like that's what, I'm pretty sure, but guess Just what? I'm, I'm probably wrong. That happens a lot. <laughs> I'm probably saying it wrong. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, So when he was 16, Gregor, which I'm going to say so often is going to start to not sound like a word. Mm -hmm. You know how that works. Um, He joined the British Army. And when he was 19, he married a gal named Maria Bowater. Wow, these names. Right. So she was the daughter of a Navy admiral. And she had a huge dowry because she had high-profile, wealthy family members. Okay. So he gets married. And then he buys his way from lieutenant, or as they would say, lieutenant. Yes. Uh, He'd already kind of fast-tracked his way into that. Somehow he buys his way into captain. It costs him 900 pounds, which is the equivalent of 70,000 pounds today. Okay. And he did that instead of serving for seven years to reach captain. Now, I don't expect you to know this answer, but do we have any idea who he paid that money to? I guess. Like the Admiralty, or is it more of like... <laughs> the recruiters at the mall? I don't know. <laughs> I was just curious. Yeah. I suppose, I guess, yeah. The I, It's like the brass at the, mm-hmm. yeah. the military. The, the Lord Admiralty, isn't that slid the... It, slid it under their door, and they slid the captain's <laughs> medals or whatever. And that big hat just <laughs> under the door. <laughs> they came and put it on his head gently in the middle of the night. That's how he knew. He woke up, I've been captained. Yeah, ta-da! So he served in Gibraltar from 1805 to 1809 under the Duke of Wellington. Mm. And he was totally obsessed, speaking of those caps, with mm-hmm. military appearances. I know the type, right? Huge, Spotted it. Huge love of uniforms. Con man loves uniforms. Mm-hmm. It's all the the surface. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the hoot and the hut. That Ooh. makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> so... He got. He loves uniforms. He wouldn't let any enlisted men or like NCOs, non-commissioned officers, leave their housing mm-hmm. unless they were in full dress uniform, and that really wasn't convenient. No. So guess what? The men hated him. Shocker. Right. <laughs> May eighteen ten, he starts mixing it up with his superior officer, and he gets forced out of the military, retiring 
at the age of 23. Oh, so mixing it up more like he got in a fist fight. Yeah, they just, they, they went, they had a little back and forth. Ah, a little difference of opinions. And they, he was encouraged to leave. Mm. <laughs> so he and the missus, they moved to London. Okay. And that's when he starts calling himself a baron, Sir Gregor <laughs> McGregor. You know? As one does. You just start giving yourself a title. He was really leaning on that whole clan McGregor thing. Mm-hmm. Talking about how he was a chieftain. He's mm-hmm. he's upping this. Now, granted, you know, Rob Roy is his great-great-uncle, yeah, but I mean, that's, he, you know. He might have some legitimate ancestral claims. I guess. Kinda. Yeah. But it's around this time that tragedy strikes. I hate when that happens. I know, me too. His wife, Maria, passed away. Oh. Now, her family, this rich family, they didn't want anything to do with Gregor McGregor. Oh. I'm not exactly sure why. <laughs> like, and I don't know how she died. Mm-hmm. It's sort of this, it's a mystery. Oh. Uh, to at least me. <laughs> and so um, her family was just like, get out of here, dude. We don't want anything, you know, mm-hmm. you don't, you're the poor. So get out <laughs> so of here. The old class warfare. Yeah. So his wife is dead. Okay. It's not going to look good if he picks up a new society honey and it's like, hey, pay for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he can't, it's just too, too soon, too soon, they keep telling him. Yeah. Um, he is restricted from social climbing in that way. He can't go back into the military and kind of, earn a higher level of notoriety because, Mm -hmm. well, he fought himself right out of there. And he didn't want to go back to Scotland because it just wasn't fancy. It wasn't (laughs) fun. He's like, I'm over the moors. So he does the next logical thing. He went to South America. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) When in doubt, go to South America. So at the time, there are all these revolutions happening in South America. Oh, yeah, all the Bolivar revolutions. Yeah, Yeah. people are pushing back against Mm -hmm. the, the Spanish crown. Um. General Francisco de Miranda, mm-hmm. he was a revolutionary in Venezuela, and he visited London and was a huge hit. Everybody loved him. He got taken around to all these parties and introduced. Um, they gave him gifts and stuff. Gregor's like, you know what? I want in on that action. <laughs> I like that cut of that man's mm-hmm. gym, and I want what he has. Exactly. So five months after his wife dies, he sets foot in Caracas. Okay. Five months. Eh, it's mm. not too long. No, it's a little quick. But he had to get out. Yeah. Had, to, had to move on. So he knew that the revolutionaries there would not be keen on his whole I'm a royal yeah, thing. Yeah, good, good read. So he stopped pretending to be one for a while. Mm-hmm. And instead, he says that he's a Scottish knight of the Portuguese Order of Christ. I've never heard of the Portuguese they're Order of Christ. In, they're essentially the Portuguese Knights Templar. Okay. Yeah. I've never heard of them. And no. I've like read some books on the Templars. I think he was kind of banking on people not really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he goes to General Miranda, volunteers. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, man, we met in London. I don't think they actually did. <laughs> Gives him a cavalry, makes him a colonel. Right there. It's not like he was in a position to turn him down, yeah. Miranda. You know, he... The revolution needed help. It wasn't going so hot. And this guy's claiming to be military. I mean, he was military, but we don't, he wasn't a captain. But Right. So Gregor says he'll help, and he actually delivers. He helps. Two months after he gets there, he marries a woman named Doña Josefa Antonio Andrea Aristeguita y Lovera. Nice. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> uh, she was rich. She also had a very well-known cousin. You mentioned him briefly, Simon Bolivar. Oh, my man, mm-hmm. Simon Bolivar. Things are looking up, right? Yeah. She marries Bolivar's cousin. Um, he gets promoted to brigadier general. <laughs> this guy, man, I'm telling you. Yeah, he he married up again. But the revolution's still not going so well. Uh, Gregor and his wife, Josefa, uh, they wind up fleeing to Curacao. Okay. And Bolivar meets up with them there. Uh, General Miranda, he gets arrested and imprisoned in Spain. Thanks. Yeah. So Gregor fights for a while in New Granada, which today is Colombia and Panama. A little okay. bit of Costa Rica, Ecuador, Venezuela, Peru, Brazil. Mm-hmm. Little tastes of all those actually thrown into. And he manages to do some heroic things. Um, some people were already on to him, though. An officer at the time wrote, quote, Look, I'm just quoting it up like you would here. (laughs) I am sick and tired of this bluffer, or Quixote, or the devil knows what. This man can hardly serve us in New Granada without heaping 10,000 embarrassments upon us. Ooh, that's a lot of criticisms. Because one, you can get the idea that he's not doing so well in the field. Secondly, the whole Quixote, like, you know, tilting at windmill suggests mm-hmm. he's not got a good read of reality. And then the bluffer part means this dude's got his number. Yeah, I mean, like, completely. So Gregor starts fighting in various arenas all around South America, sometimes successfully, sometimes mm-hmm. not. 
He's seen as someone with really great military skill, praised by generals, a hero, right? But he's so full of himself. And that continues to play a little bit in his favor far away from home. Mm -hmm. But his luck starts to change. He has a failed attempt to capture Florida. <laughs> I mean, who here hasn't at least tried once Raise to capture your Florida? Hand if you haven't tried to capture Florida. Yeah, maybe, Look at all these hands going up across the world. If only the panhandle. <laughs> so here's what happens. He goes, he, he gets convinced to go and try and capture Florida to use it as like a home base for all these revolutions. Which is what Andrew Jackson tried to do. He goes to Pennsylvania. He goes to Philadelphia, raises some money, starts going all around the Southeast, gets mm -hmm. a little army. Goes to Amelia Island first, yeah. off the coast of Florida. Father loves that spot. Right. And so he, here's to Pops. He goes out there, the fort on the island. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, they've got guns. they got like 50 oh, yeah. guys. Cannons and all the whole bit. Right. Uh, here's the thing. Gregor, he's got 80 men. But he's making it feel like there's a whole lot more. Hmm. So when he arrives on a ship, they just surrender at the fort because they think he's got a ton of guys. No shots are fired. See, con man in the military. Yeah, they disembark, and then there's sort of this moment where like, oh. And then Gregor is is playing this up, like, you know what? I claim this land for me. <laughs> and then he says he's going to start paying people in Amelia bucks. <laughs> and they all get mad at him and spit on him, and he winds up. Then the Spanish show up. They're like, get out of here, dude. So he leaves. He totally um, overplayed his hand. He did. He Once he got to Amelia money or Amelia bucks or yeah. whatever it was, you're like, bro, <laughs> yeah, stop. it's over. It's over. And and he also tried to ban looting in his troops, and that's when they got oh, they turned on. That's him. why they're in the army. Totally. I mean, come on now. So he also tried to steal a naval commander's ship. The <laughs> ship was called the Hero, and he rena <laughs> he renamed it El McGregor. <laughs> and then he scuttled it. I like his style. I, I got to admit. So he has all these like failed liberation attempts in various port cities. <laughs> Everything's starting to fall apart. Plus. Simon Bolivar now hated him. I'm kind of guessing that one, yeah. Yeah. Bolivar said he was a traitor for all his bumbling military acts. Mm -hmm. Orders him hanged if he ever sets foot in South America again. So he's <laughs> just like... Standing hanging order? A death sentence for an entire continent. So you have an appointment with the noose here in South America? Yeah. His wife and child went to Jamaica uh -huh. to Sandals. Oh. <laughs> they went to Jamaica. But they wanted to he, go get their hair braided? Yeah, they had, and they were feeling hot, hot, hot. He couldn't go there because he was wanted for gun running and piracy. Yeah, I'll say the, I bet the British also had a, you know, a little line about him. Yeah, they the weren't into him. So what is he, like back home, what's going on in England, there's a book that gets written about his exploits, good and bad, but mostly the bad, <laughs> that gets published. The author, Michael Rafter, he writes that Gregor was, quote, mm -hmm. Politically, though not naturally, dead. <laughs> Wait, <what>? <laughs> <laughs> and to suppose that any person could be induced again to join him in his desperate projects would be to conceive a degree of madness and folly with, of which human nature, however fallen, is incapable. I'm going to have to take issue with you, Michael Rafter. I've known humanity. They can go I'm, lower. I'm here to tell you, human nature is more than capable of falling to that kind of degree of madness and folly. Thank you, Elizabeth. When we come back from this ad break... I'll tell you just how mad and foolish people can be. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry, you just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by US News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. 
They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/ridiculouscrime. That's simplysafe.com/ridiculouscrime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right. So, Gregor McGregor, mm-hmm. he bungled up his mercenary work in South America. Where's he going to go next? Jeez, I don't even know. Texas? <laughs> Well, he couldn't. Okay, let's start from where he came from, England. Yeah. Can't go back there because he doesn't have anything. Uh-huh. And they're kind of on to him after yeah. that biography. And I'm guessing published. he doesn't speak other languages. So I'm thinking he has to go somewhere Spanish well, or English. Don't forget where he's going, there, there are no roads. Where he's going, <laughs> people speak English for the most part. And, yeah. you know, when he was raised, apparently he was raised speaking Gaelic. Hmm. And then had to learn English when he was in the Navy. Okay. I don't know if that's maybe part of his mythos. Study. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. So he can't go to England. Keep in mind, he's 34 at this point. Mm-hmm. And um, so where does he go? Cabo. I want you to close your eyes. Okay. And picture it. The Mosquito Coast. <laughs> it's not just a 1986 Harrison Ford movie. It's actually the coastal area of what is now Honduras and Nicaragua. And it's not named for the insect. Did you know that? Did not know that. It's named for the Miskitu people. Huh. The indigenous so people. So the mosquitoes are both named for these people? No, they're named for different things. Wow. Because mus- it's musca. I can't remember what the root is. Mosca is fly. Root. Yeah. yeah. And so mosquito is little fly. Yeah. And this is actually the Miskitu. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, there are obviously a lot of mosquitoes there. <laughs> uh, they didn't, the Miskitu people didn't have a notion of a king mm-hmm. um, until the English arrived in the 1700s. It's a bad introduction to a king. Yeah. So the English get there and they start assigning titles of chief, but like the title doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And it was just one way for the Brits to kind of mark their territory from the Spanish. Oh, okay. To say, oh, yeah, no, look, we got all these kings and chiefs mm-hmm. and all this, and they report to us. So right now it's 1820 Ooh. in your mind on the Mosquito Coast. That's a big year in Spanish history. Gregor rolls up to the sandy, swampy shores of the Mosquito Coast. Mm-hmm. It's looking lush, but it's not fertile ground in the jungle 
super dense. Yeah, I've seen the movie. He pokes around, and all he can find is an old graveyard. No structures, no remnants of the English settlement that Mm -hmm. had once been there. So he goes a little further inland, and he makes contact with uh, the people living there, and he meets King George Frederick Augustus. (laughs) Remember, this is just a king in name only. The Brits come, and they're like, look, I don't know how you say your name. You're now King George Frederick Augustus. He's like, great. He has no control over anything, not even his name, apparently. <laughs> so Gregor starts chatting him up. He's like, it's really lovely here, man. It's all thanks, dude. You looking to sell this land? You know, I'm a famous royal war hero guy. You know, one king to another. And the king's like, yeah, you don't say. What you got? Gregor's like, well, you know, I've got some rum. I've got this bag of jewelry. There's got like fun bangles and a kicky necklace for you in here. <laughs> And the king's like, you know what? Yeah, let's see. That'll get you, uh, let's see, carry one. Uh, <laughs> about eight million acres. <laughs> eight million acres. Yes. <laughs> Good job, Gregor. He's a master negotiator. So Gregor writes up this document, and it says that he and his heirs own now most of the Miskitu territory, and then the king signs it. <laughs> What does he care? It's like if I signed a paper granting you possession of Los Angeles yeah. in exchange for a Target gift card. Yeah, exactly. You know, I like to think of myself as the queen of California, but it doesn't mean I can just sign it all away. So, I just like Target gift cards. Right. So, Gregor, you know, he looks around a bit. He's got this document. He's got the deed to the place now. Mm-hmm. He's kicking the tires. Surveys He's like, the, the English love paperwork. I'm in good. Right. And the people there, they just look at him and shrug. They're like, all right. All right cool. Yeah, you're the boss Enjoy now. Enjoy your paper, man. Sure, dude. So he names it Poye, P-O-Y-A-I-S. Okay. Poye, after the indigenous people who live in the highland area, like mm-hmm. up at the source of the river there, the Paya or the Poyer, they get called a lot. Okay. Now they're called the Petch people. Huh, cool. He heads back to London, tells everyone that the king not only gave him all the land, but he also got a title, the Kazik of Poye. Hmm. Kazik being like Poye. a chief or a yeah. prince, right? So officially, he said his full title was His Serene Highness Gregor I, Sovereign Prince of the State of Poye and its dependencies and cacique of the Poyer Nation. Oh, he's really hitting the royal oh, energy. I like this. He's he, like, I need somebody to have some trill on this. He went through the in- entire inventory of possible titles and was yeah. like, and that one. I'll take a little of this. A little bit here. Oh, and now definitely some dependencies. So he starts telling everybody. Yeah, the dependencies is great. Like, yeah. You'll find out. This is even better. So he starts telling everyone about beautiful Poye, mm-hmm. and he's just laying it on thick. So according to Gregor, the weather was perpetual summer, and okay. more akin to an English summer, not a tropical summer. Yeah, I was just about to ask. Yeah. So then they have super cool exotic wildlife, <laughs> <laughs> like really flashy stuff. The land, so fertile, stuff just grows itself. <laughs> No worries. That there's rare wild fruit everywhere that's delicious and refreshing. I mean, he's not half wrong, but... Yeah, yeah, he's 100% wrong. Endless herds of cattle. It's just like, we got all these, you know, we got 9 million head of cattle. And then abundant natural resources. He says, redwood, cedar, mm-hmm. mahogany. All of your fine hardwoods. The tropical redwoods. Yes, exactly. Think about that for a second. <laughs> Pristine sandy beaches, so you could open a sandals there if you really wanted to. Chunks of gold just sitting in the river. Just, you know, just, you just know, waiting for your there. hand to grab at. Precious gemstones littered all over the ground in the hillsides. <laughs> They're always Pre-cut. into that same story. <laughs> <laughs> and he also said there's like a well-planned infrastructure of roads. Oh, wow. Yeah. A palace, <laughs> a cathedral, an opera house, government buildings, <laughs> mansions, a Roman auditorium. A bustling port. He says there's a huge <laughs> bustling port. There are plantations there. Cotton, coffee, sugar, indigo. A very complex legislative system. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget that th- when he got there, there's just an abandoned graveyard at this point <laughs> and jungle. He just sees a lot in that graveyard. But in his, yeah, he has a vision. But he's telling him this already exists. <laughs> So he draws up leaflets and some artwork depicting his paradise, starts passing them around in London, Edinburgh. Uh, the wealthy society folks and the kind of like lesser royals, the mm-hmm. also-rans, they're eating this up. The second so, sons of a baron? Yes. They're like, dude, let's do this. This is amazing. This is my chance. 
He extends a royal invitation to King George. You can see the con taking shape. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's just like he just keeps throwing fuel to, on mm-hmm. the fire. It'd and be it's, too easy for you not to just go take advantage of this. The gold is sitting there yeah. in the river. Yeah. yeah. And so he says to, he extends a royal invitation to King George to come, come on over for a visit. King to king. Yeah. Just <laughs> exactly. So he, I'm sure, figured the king's not going to take him up on this. Mm-hmm. But the publicity is great, and it's working. So the news of this utopian society, conquered by a descendant of Rob Roy, Mm. starts spreading throughout the land. And Gregor had this sidekick, supposedly. Yes. His official title (laughs) was Captain in the Native Poyer (laughs) Regiment and aide-de-camp to His Highness. Very nice. Yeah. His English name was Thomas Strangeways. Oh wow! So now, you see his English name as in he was a native mosquito? No, no, no. He was a he was a Brit. He was oh, an Englishman. Okay, okay. But his that's he has all these titles. But his name's Thomas Strangeways. Okay. Brief note about Strangeways: mm-hmm. the prison in Manchester is is referred to as Strangeways, and <laughs> famously referenced in the title of the Smiths' album Strangeways. Here we come. Look at you with the deep holes. Well, the opening track too is a rush and a push and the land is ours. <laughs> And the name, though, doesn't come from, like, someone get, naming the prison after a person. It mm-hmm. comes from the area where the prison was built. So if you named yourself Strange Ways, you have to be naming yourself after the prison. It'd be like if no, I named myself no, no, Thomas no. Sing Sing? No, it'd be like the area where it was built was called Strange Ways, and it means a place by a stream with a strong current. Okay. So it's sort of like that's where his people must have come from. I got you. If that's their last Absolutely. name. Okay. Um, so... We can only surmise that that's where that name comes from, Manchester. I still mourn the Smiths, P.S. I know you do. You know, too problematic. Can't listen anymore. Anyway, Thomas Strangeways. He was said to be a member of Gregor's entourage, mm-hmm. someone who had presumably seen the actual um, Poyer. He wrote a comprehensive guidebook, like a sales brochure okay. for people looking to do some good old-fashioned colonizing. Like a Lonely pa- Planet pamphlet? Yes, a Lonely Planet Rick Steves guide to Poyer. Okay. The only problem was that Strangeways was actually Gregor. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. He, he John Barron the hell out he of that. He totally did. And so he keeps saying, look, I'm telling you this, but here's this guy I I just met that I brought on board. He he'll tell you all about it. Read this book, you know, it's in the book. Um, so Gregor then sets up sales offices all over England. Okay. And they offered people a chance to buy an acre of land for just a low price of four shillings. That is really low, right? I, I mean guess. that's like who knows? I mean, aren't shillings like it's basically coinage and it's like the type of like I'm buying maybe a loaf of bread with shillings, right? I guess. Okay. I don't know. I'm saying like hey penny is half penny, and then shilling is like one of their it's like a quarter or whatever. You know what? I have no idea. Okay, good. I'm glad we had this talk. Thank you. So he hires balladeers to mm-hmm. write songs and go on tour, and they're like crooning about the luxurious joys of Poye. Um, I like his playbook. Good yeah. con playbook. I'm gonna go back to Maria Konnikova for a second, please. I want to quote from her. Yes, what she says about Gregor. He highlighted the bravery and fortitude that such a gesture would demonstrate. You wouldn't just be smart, you'd be a real man. The Scottish Highlanders were known for their hardiness and adventurous spirit, he wrote. Poye would be the ultimate testing ground, a challenge and a gift all in one. He pointed those who needed more convincing to a book on the virtues of the small island nation by the elusive Thomas Strangeways, actually McGregor himself, His prospectus enticed the public with their masterful promises, their lure of opportunity, their appeal to scarcity, their admonitions not to let this perfect moment pass by. Yep. So he's... He's hitting all the buttons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's like, come on, you conquer things, conquer this. Yeah. Be a man about it. Come on. At this point, people are begging to go to Poye Paradise. (laughs) They want in. I got four shillings. So the bulk of the first group selected were Scots. Seems like a betrayal to me. How so? Well, because he knows it's fake. And then he's bringing all these Scots, you know, I don't know. Have some hometown pride. No, I mean, I, I feel you on that. But don't also, do don't you think that, that maybe that's kind of the shill nature? It's like, look, I got to get some Scots because then if I get them, people will believe it. So yeah, it's not even... Well, and it's, he's appealing to their yeah, party I mean, he needs that, yeah. that, that ruddy Scottish... But here's the thing. Most of the people that the Scots that he got were older farm folk of lesser means looking to retire. Okay, well, that's kind of... Yeah. Yep. So also, he, he just straight up conned them. Yeah, there were young lads who wanted adventure and he was promising them positions in the Poye military. Mm-hmm. 
educated professionals. He, you know, they would buy titles and cush government gigs from him and set themselves up. There were tradesmen, artisans who traded in their English businesses for a chance at cornering the Poye market on, I don't know, sandals. Oh, damn. Candles. <laughs> sandals and candles. Saddles. <laughs> books. Paddles. Whatever. Um, all of them traded every pence that they mm-hmm. had in pound sterling into Poye bucks that Gregor had printed up. So all the people who are going to go. I'm just blown away by this. I mean, like, there's got to be, they had to know other people. The English are over there. They have English people in Jamaica. Aren't they aware of, like... No, there's so many shifting sands in South America at this point. Sure, I mean, I'm with that. But, I mean, couldn't couldn't there be somebody who's over in Port Royal? like, no, I know a little bit about South America. I don't even need to go to Poirier to tell you that doesn't exist. Well, maybe they wanted to believe it, too. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just always surprised by that. Yeah, Yeah. they're just thinking, oh, they just haven't looked that far. Mm -hmm. He, He found a better place. Maybe he saw something I didn't see. Yeah, so he says he's got this great exchange rate. It'll Mm -hmm. give you poye bucks for your pound sterling. And confidence is very mesmerizing. People will go with it over a rational thought all the time. And the group mentality of all these other people. And you think, oh, this is going to be great. Mm -hmm. It's going to be great. (laughs) Gregor, he starts taking out loans on behalf of the poye government. (laughs) 200,000 pounds. Do you know how much that is today? I have no idea. 27 million pounds, (laughs) Zarin. Bank of London should be ashamed. I know. For us Yanks, that's $35 $35 million, Whew. right? September 10th, 1822. Mm-hmm. 50 brave souls boarded the vessel Honduras Packet in Leith, Scotland. This is interesting because 1822, that's a year after the Spanish basically pull out of the New World. So, like, there's going to be a rush of people. Mm-hmm. He's, he timed this so well. Totally. Totally did. They sailed the oceans blue, and then they reached the Mosquito Coast. Mm-hmm. They were pumped, dude. I bet they were. So fired up. The flag of Poye was raised on the ship. It was a white background and a green cross. And that was the fake flag that Gregor used for all his other previous land grabs. <laughs> and he also said he had the Knights of the Green Cross. So he had this whole mythology that he'd created. So the settlers, they pile into the tenders and they make their way from the Honduras packet to shore. Okay. This was it. This is it. This is the moment of truth, man. Eureka. They found it. Oh, can you imagine what it must have felt like for these people at that time? Like the excitement, the anxiety. I'm just wondering why they didn't want to go to like America or somewhere a little more proven. So I'm like, I'm a little curious about who these people are that they're so like, this is my chance. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to become like the future of Poye. I'm like, they seem like they're already telling themselves stories is what I mean. Oh, they totally are. So I'm imagining this moment is just going to be like eye-opening, dazzling, just like we finally here. And then all of a sudden they get stung by a mosquito. Well, and they get the, they get that feeling of, of being the first on the scene. Yeah. And so people are like, yeah, you know what? U.S. played out. Yeah, okay. And it's starting to get really crowded. (laughs) (laughs) And they want to go somewhere where the land is cheap. And, I mean, the way they've been told, it is an absolute utopia. And I'm sure they're looking for the new new America or the new Australia, whatever it is. And they want to get in early. He's telling them, get in on the ground floor. Get yourself a couple million acres and have at it. It's incredible, right? So I mean, I'm just imagining that the people on this these tenders, they're getting up to the shore, mm-hmm. and they're just all a buzz. Mm-hmm. And the conversation on these little boats must have been incredible. Yeah, just, weeks across the Atlantic, all that time to build up yeah, anticipation. Yeah, and this is it. Don't forget, there are other ships of fools right behind them mm-hmm. crossing the ocean to find this false paradise. Oh, this is the first boat, right? This is just the first boat. But I mean, there are ones that are like literally right on their tail. Let's take a break. When we come back, I'm going to paint you a picture of that moment of contact between the pioneers and the sandy shores of Poye. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. 
at this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. All right, Saren. Waves lap against the hulls of the tenders, ferrying the incomers to the shores of Poye. Just the way I like a wave. Lapping. <laughs> Lapping it up. These folks were about to start their new lives in a South American paradise. I, I love that for them. So long, suckers in Scotland and England. <laughs> they were kitted out in their best clothes. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, you know, they're just in their work pants. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. They're showing up in their Easter hats. In their finest. Yes. So many bonnets. <laughs> so many pressed suits. Um, they think they're just going to get out and stroll the streets of Poye. Remember, yeah, there's, there's an streets, opera house. Mm-hmm. They're like, let's get dazzled up. We'll rest a bit when we get in. And mm-hmm. then that night we can go out to dinner and we'll, just yeah, stroll the streets, perambulate. And I'm sure that they think that, you know, a, a fine dinner is is Waiting for them. Oh, yeah. And cheap. They're like, oh, I'll have, I'll have quail eggs and then I'll have a beautiful... Well, and it's like all sorts of people who either travel to uh, other countries, people from the West who go to more impoverished nations uh-huh. and think they're going to retire there for pennies mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. and exploit. So there we have it. Um, <laughs> this is one of the origin stories. Uh, the tender anchors just offshore and they fired off a shot to alert the locals of their arrival. Okay. Nothing happened. Of course, there's no yeah. one there. So they're expecting like a cannon to respond? Right. Okay. And that and that there would be all these little boats that would come out and so, gather them. So it's a and, real long, awkward silence. It's a really long silence. 
The boats just then decide to make their way to the sand. Well, Well, I should say they were piloted there, not the boats sentiently. (laughs) Um, So they, they pull up, the people get off, they disembark, and they stood on this desolate beach and wondered if maybe they'd navigated poorly. No, that happened. You know, the the currents just, are really wild there. I mean, yeah, yeah. maybe we just got, uh, I don't know, a few miles up the coast. and Spanish wrote a lot about the Caribbean currents. Yeah. So they're standing there wondering what's going on. Um, there's got to be a booming metropolis around here somewhere. <laughs> we just can't hear it. Maybe yeah, so everyone be quiet. Maybe we... <laughs> like, shh. Um, there's another ship full of 150 people just pulling up behind them. <laughs> oh, man. And they're just as eager to start their <laughs> new lives. The whole, the whole same thing. Yeah, they're in fancy clothes, too. <laughs> Some of the group tried to make their way inland to see if they could pick up, like, the outskirts of this capital city. Mm -hmm. Just find the gold road or whatever. Yeah. So the rest of them, they stay on the beach with all of their earthly belongings. Don't forget, (laughs) they just, they up and left. I'm sorry. I'm talking luggage, furniture. (laughs) Just all these trunks, a chair. I'm praying there was a piano in with all of this. Supplies. They actually had a lot of supplies. I imagine some of them brought stuff for their businesses, so there's, like, butcher blocks and stuff. (laughs) Yes, exactly. There's, like, someone's sharpening all the knives for them and stuff. Um, so they, they get about half their stuff off of the main ships when the sky starts to darken. Oh, God. The winds pick up. Oh, God. That's right. That's right, baby. Did the sailors not tell them? Because they no. know they know weather. They could it's smell like, get it. off the boat. Just get yeah. off the boat. Hurricane. Here, take your stuff. We'll throw it. Don't worry. <laughs> Hurricane. But oh, you, could, you could call it slurricane. Hurricane. Yeah. They basically were like weather channel correspondents <laughs> on the front lines of a hurricane, but no windbreakers, no beleaguered camera crew. Oh, it was just them and the wind and the driving rain. The two large ships... Lost at sea. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and their stuff scattered all up and down the beach <laughs> in pieces. It's terrible. They did their best to sort of create some shelter on the beach and in like the encroaching jungle. I imagine they also brought with them children and animals. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's the rainy season, though. This high <laughs> hurricane. Um, and pretty soon everyone's sick. Yellow fever. Oh, God. And because it is, after all, the Mosquito Coast, malaria. <laughs> And so as it happens, Marshall Bennett, who was the chief magistrate of Belize, he was hopped on his schooner called the Mexican Eagle. And he went for a little visit to the Mosquito King. Totally unrelated, right? On the way there, he's like, what are all these people doing on the <laughs> What are all these, these white all folks doing, doing on, on the, the beach? beach? So he's like, ahoy, ahoy, what's going on over there? And they're like, uh, where's Poye? I know y'all lost, so what's going on? Well, they say he finds them. And they're like, we're here to go to Poye. He's like, what's Poye? And they're like, no, 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 it's this wonderful city. It's There's a cathedral. Kingdom, just right over here. He's like, guys, there's no Poye. I know, I know this place. <laughs> Hello, I'm the chief magistrate of Belize. I'm, and I speak English. And I speak so English. So I know you understand what I'm saying. There's no Poye. And they're like, well, we we bought um, passage from the Kazikh of Poye. He's like, I'm the the what now? <laughs> no, who's it? There's no, there's no Poye, so there's no Kazikh of Poye. And... The king of Miskitu, he finds out about Gregor's scheme. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, yeah, that guy got a couple couple pieces of jewelry off him and that rum. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 no. I revoke whatever it was that I signed. I don't remember. But so it was like me. I, mean, I don't know what I signed, but whatever. It doesn't mean anything. So he's like, you know, this guy, this Gregor son of Gregor, he has no right to anything here. And he tells the settlers, guess what? You're on my turf now. You either swear allegiance to me or GTFO. <laughs> they're like, hmm, thinking about it. They're like, yeah, can we catch a ride to Belize? Yeah. So it takes... The boats are sunk though, right? Yeah, so, they so have... it takes three trips on the Mexican Eagle oh, wow. to ferry the survivors. And they're crammed in there because yeah. the ship's not big. Mm-hmm. They'd lost some folks by this point. Others were too sick to travel. And then I guess the ones who, they just became subjects of the Mosquito King. And we're like, all right, I guess, off to the jungle. <laughs> but everyone else gets thrown into the boat and taken up to Belize. The Hondurans, they sent some clipper ships out to stop and reroute any further incoming ships. Oh, smart. Yeah. And how many ships of Brits made it out there in total? Seven. <laughs> oh, man. Seven were on the sea. So they divert the rest of them. About 250 people set foot on the supposed... Poye. Mm-hmm. Um, of those, 180 died. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And less than 50 of them made it back to Britain. 
The rest, you know, either stayed in Belize or they went to the United States, actually. I'm always blown away by these stories whenever you read about them, especially the 19th century, is how many times, like, 200 people went there, 17 came back. Right. It's just always right. like, what it's the brutal. Heck? The world yeah. is brutal. Um, back home, people are a little outraged. I bet. A little bit. Um, some of that Gregor McGregor luck, though, and cunning starts to kick in. Uh-oh. So he says, you know what? It's not my fault that things turned out the way they did. And how would that be exactly? He said that he still continues to say, Poye exists. <laughs> All right, guys. I was the one who was swindled. And I was conned out by my business associates. <laughs> yeah. They led everyone astray, and they're responsible for the poor navigation. They they dropped them off at the wrong place. Poi, we're still waiting for everyone at Poye. <laughs> like you, I've been bamboozled. There's, I've been hornswoggled. Where's my justice? <laughs> they're standing on the on the streets of Poye with bouquets of flowers <laughs> for all these people that are wilted now. I'm sure their feelings are hurt. The There's feasts, a lot of victims here. The feasts of exotic goat meat. <laughs> And and goose fat. <laughs> All the troops of actors preparing shows is welcoming. Yeah. I mean, come on. They would think they hear something out on the beach and they're like, and five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> and then like, no, 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 that was Kept just dancing a, down. That was just a big pelican. Like, oh, never mind. All right. Places, people. First positions, everybody. So um, he says, yeah, it's not my fault. Wasn't me. <laughs> I love that. And uh, he says, you know what? If everyone would just have listened to me. Those people would be alive right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. And a lot of people believed him. They're like, yeah, you know what, guys? You're right. If you just listen to Gregor over there, he's like, yep. Confidence is king. Yes. And destiny is all. So um, people are battling it out in the press mainly as to like who holds the blame. Mm -hmm. Gregor and his family and some of his associates slipped out of London. They said... (laughs) Um, Josefa, his wife, she's not well, and she's under doctor's orders to um, go to Italy to recover. Yeah, she has to. I really need that doctor's note. (laughs) You need to go. Elizabeth must go to Italy for six weeks. This is an order, and also take me with her. Yeah, exactly. So instead, he goes to France. So he didn't really go to Italy. He goes to France. Um, This was right before a small party of survivors, that little group that made it home, before Mm -hmm. they come home. Um, but when they got to England, yeah. people really got pissed. They got so mad because here are these they, the firsthand account of what happened mm-hmm. and how just taken they were. And they're looking around like, well, where is Gregor? Yeah, where is him? Well, I guess he's in Italy, right? Well, no, he's Where is that there. son of Gregor? What's Gregor doing over in France? Setting up more offices in Paris to sell land and fortune in Poyer. <laughs> He's like, they don't talk. They, the English and the French, they don't talk. They don't like each other. It's no, cool. They won't it's talk. fine. So for a time, he tried to take the... Uh, Wait, this is like 1820s uh, France. So yeah. This is like, oh, mm-hmm. wow. He tries to... <laughs> a time. He tries to make Poyer legitimate by going to the Spanish and asking them to annex it. And he's giving them all, you know, you can do this with it. They're just like, no, get out of here, dude. So they don't bite. <laughs> So he's winning the confidence of more and more French society folks, Mm -hmm. and he starts to make a new scheme where he's going to transfer huge swaths of land to investors and make them the de facto rulers. But that also makes them responsible for the fates of the people who go there. Oh, interesting. So he's kind of shifting the blame. He's like Sir Walter Raleighing them. Like, just go over there and we'll see what happens. Yes. 1825, the first ship leaves uh, Le Havre, Mm -hmm. uh, Le Havre, um, toward the luxuries of Poyer. Ah, and the dependencies. Yeah, and all of its dependencies, which is like the one king there. <laughs> um, Gregor, he gets a second loan for this phantom country of Poye. <laughs> this time it's 300,000 pounds. So this it's is like more? millions and millions and millions for a stake in the Poyer gold mines. And what about his previous loan? Did the bank just be like, well, that guy, you know, well, he winds up like converting it to stock and stuff. And these people are buying oh. in and yeah. Wow, okay. So he was able to run this con in France for two years. <laughs> and then the French start asking questions. <laughs> Finally. They're like, why, why are people asking for passports to go to this country that we've never heard of? <laughs> This is not a country on our approved list. It's not on any of the maps we have. No. And we have all of the maps. They start up this investigation. And so in 1827, Gregor's like, I'm going back to England. I'll take my (laughs) chances there. And then he lands and is immediately arrested. (laughs) So the French are like, you know what? Let them take care of this. He's their dude. Like, all right, he's arrested. Fine, we're done. Um, 
but then the charges are mysteriously dropped. Hmm. Yeah, he's a free man. And then he decides he wants to be a free man in Paris. Off he well, goes. Okay. So he's vindicated <laughs> in, I didn't in England. And and so for whatever reason, the charges get dropped. But I'm saying that the part that is really wild to me is, okay, the, the charges get dropped. That's crazy. And then uh-huh. he's like, I'm going to go back to the place that also Where wants that's me. that's investigating yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, like, bro, you just got off. Well, like, he goes back and he gets arrested over there. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, this is... But he, and he claimed again, you know what? I'm the one who's been conned here. I'm the victim. <laughs> and one of his associates fled to the Netherlands, right? Okay. Do you want to get back under like Spanish? So because that guy's running for it, he's like, it's him. (laughs) He won't stand here and face you like a man, like I will. So Gregor just pins everything on dude (laughs) in the Netherlands. And he comes up with all these like fake documents and stories. His associates get convicted and he's found not guilty on all charges. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, he wrote like a huge treatise that his lawyer reads out. Did they not look at all of the books and paperwork that he created? I mean, wouldn't that be entered into evidence? Like, um... No, I bet they entered in and they're like, well, I guess, you know, Strange Ways wrote another account of this. So, yes, thank you, John Barron. Um, so he planned to live out the rest of his years in Paris. Uh-huh. You know, kind of like a questionable society layabout. Yeah. That's a good plan. But he blew through all of the money. And he did it quickly. (laughs) He'd been living really, really large. And he spread the money around to a bunch of people. He did like an MC Hammer where he just, he was supporting way too many people. Everyone's wearing sable fur. Yes. Uh, He also, it costs a lot of money Mm -hmm. to put these boats together to take people over there. So he's like, in order to keep that con looking fresh and real, he's sinking cash into that. The whole reason we have corporations is because of how expensive (laughs) it is to get boats over there. Exactly. So in 1838, Josefa died. And at this point, he'd already lost two children. Hmm. So he has nothing. Nothing left. But his memories. And they're beautiful. (laughs) And the braid in his hair from sandals. (laughs) Poye. Uh, so the last time he had nothing, he made a choice. Mm-hmm. And he makes that choice again. South America. Viva South America. He's going back. Basically, his version of fake my death, go to Cuba. That's the only <laughs> option. <laughs> so 1839. Oh, Gregor, son of Gregor. He makes his way to Venezuela and he just begs for citizenship. He's like, is uh, Simone Bolivar still here? <laughs> He also, he wanted his old military titles and honors. So it's if, not if he's even, not, I'm a captain. Yeah, he's, that, that's basically <laughs> what he did. So he goes there and instead of saying, please, can I be a citizen? He's like, can I be a citizen and have a title and be well-regarded and a pension? And a big hat. I need, I'm going to need a big hat. Throw in a pension and a big hat. Yeah, and tassels. Set. He gets it. He gets it all. <laughs> he gets citizenship. He gets a pension. He gets the tassels. He lives out his days as a normal, respected citizen there. Okay. And then no one talked about Amelia Island when he thought he was going to capture Florida. Uh-huh. That's gone. Just... No one talks about Poye. <laughs> Oh, how? Forget it. He died in Caracas, December 4th, 1845. And he received a full military funeral and burial. And was just lauded by the people. (laughs) Rewrote history. That area known as Poye, Mm -hmm. undeveloped to this day. (laughs) So it really, you can see that it wasn't just, oh, they didn't know how to. It was like Florida Everglades land. Like, this is never going to be turned into anything useful. Yeah. So what's what's your ridiculous takeaway from this tale of Gregor McGregor? If you fail the first time, just keep conning. Over the exact same go con, Go bigger. Too. Maybe even go bigger. That's also... And, and, and get a uniform. Yes. Uniform, go bigger, and try moving around a lot. That's and be perfect. like, oh, it couldn't have been me. I'm the cacique. And That's like, perfect. Life pro tip right there. Yeah. <laughs> I keep thinking about Konakova's assessment of Gregor McGregor. Hmm. That, like, his con was so intuitive and convincing that he was able to keep running the same con over and over. Oh, yeah. He was, he had got it into the vein of humanity. Yeah. People, they had hard evidence mm-hmm. that he was full of it. Yeah. And yet, nope. That right there is true confidence, right? Yes. Confidence in himself and the confidence that people had in him. And he wins, yeah, wins their confidence yeah. to him. I can't believe that people fell for it, but I'm guessing that they probably didn't think they'd fall for something so outrageous either. That's how they fall for it. Yeah. So um, the other thing I wanted to bring up to you is that I have some land mm-hmm. on a special secret island. Really? Yeah. Does in, it have good farmland? It's it's amazing. Are there already existing roads and infrastructure? Yes. Infrastructure? Yes. Wow. Yes. There and are carbon neutral trains. Perfect. Let yeah. me go get my checkbook. I'll be right back. That's it for today. 
Um, you can find us online at Ridiculous Crime on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, do you have a tip for us about a ridiculous crime that you'd like to hear about? You want to just chat? You want to confess to it a ridiculous crime? I like those emails. Email us at ridiculouscrime at gmail.com. And after that, just tune in next time, my rude dudes. Stay skeptical. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zarin Burnett. Produced and edited by His Royal Flyness, David Couston. Research is by Poyer Princess Marissa Brown. The theme song is by Truthless Troubadour Thomas Lee and Flim Flam Balladeer Travis Dutton. Executive producers are General Ben Bolin and Admiral Noel Brown. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, the Apollo Jim murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.